Today's reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they didn't find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and they bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all of this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women who then told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Happy Easter. Yes, thanks be to God. You see, Easter Sunday is that day that the dead man comes back to life. The one who was slain is risen. And because of that, anything, anything in this world is possible. Though sometimes it doesn't feel like that, does it? My senior year of high school, At the ripe old age of 17, I found the girl, the one for me. I knew it, my soulmate. So I set about doing the kinds of things that I thought you were supposed to do to woo a young lady. I sent her flowers anonymously. I left rose petals on her car. Anonymously, I know, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, that is so romantic. And the rest of you are thinking, dude, that's super creepy. And after 20 years of reflection, I can really kind of see both sides of that, where you're coming from. So anyway, I finally mustered up the courage to go and ask this girl out. It took a while, but I got there. And you know... When I finally asked her out, she said, no. Since that time, she and I became friends. Every once in a while, I still catch up with her. She's a delightful, delightful woman. But I remember over 20 years ago how much that no hurt. No does hurt, church. No hurts. No, you didn't get the job. No, you didn't get into the college you'd hoped for, receive the scholarship you'd applied for. No, I don't like you like that. No, no, no. 
Sometimes it can feel like we live in an entire world that's covered up with cynicism and skepticism, negativity, and no. And this isn't just a feeling. A 2014 Gallup poll said that we, as a culture, are getting increasingly negative. The National Science Foundation published studies that said that the average human being has 36,000 thoughts a day, and of those 36,000 thoughts, 80% of our thoughts are negative. And it's not just that being in a negative and skeptical environment causes us to be grumpy. It actually has negative impacts on our health. Studies link cynicism and skepticism to things like high blood pressure, One study even linked negativity later in life to an increased likelihood of dementia. And so if we don't enjoy the negativity, if we are actually being hurt by the skepticism and cynicism, then the question is, why do we do it? Why do we live in this world of no? There's actually a really compelling answer to that. Back in 2003, two scholars published an article. It's called The Universal Fear of Death and the Grand Cultural Response. And the article basically said this, that the thing that holds us back, that causes us to put limitations on ourselves, the thing that forces us into negativity is ultimately... Fear. And most profoundly, our fear of death. Here's an excerpt from the conclusion of that article. It says, Death, in all its complexities, finality, and absurdity, its challenge to existence, its ugliness, pain, and isolation, power to deprive, continues to hold sway over humankind. Death, in all its complexity, continues to hold sway over humankind. What this study tells us is that our fear of death causes us not only to engage in negativity and skepticism, our fear of death contributes to us missing out on life. To illustrate this a little bit differently, I wonder if you've ever seen the movie The Croods. It came out in 2013. It's obviously an animated film. It's about a family of cavemen. And it's a cute, it's a cute little film. If you haven't seen it, I don't want to ruin it for you. I just want to describe the opening scene, that's all. When this movie opens, this entire family of cavemen, they're living in a cave. And their dad, who is remarkably strong, has taken a boulder and placed it in front of the mouth of the cave so as to seal all of them inside. A cave with a stone at the front. Does that sound familiar on Easter? So anyway, the 
The reason that he has done this, the reason he sealed his family inside of this cave is because there are dangers out there. And he's afraid that if he and his family leave the cave, that something will get them. You see, the moral of this illustration is this. This family was so afraid of dying that they actually started living in a tomb. And sometimes I wonder if we're not the same way. If we're not so afraid of dying that we continue to live in our tomb. Is it possible that the reason we don't dream the way that we used to dream is because for a little while our dreams didn't come true, so we, we decided to grow up and stop dreaming? That the reason we're so easy to give up on hope is because our past experiences tell us that our hope won't always be realized. It's possible that the reason we inhabit a world of cynicism and skepticism and negativity is that at the end of it all, we are afraid to step out of the cave for fear that something might gobble us up. We're no people in the end because we're afraid of pain, of vulnerability, and ultimately of death. That's a sad state of affairs, church. And so, I wonder, what is it that God would say to a world of no? I want to invite you to look at a scripture passage with me this morning. It's not the traditional Easter passage but I think it does help us understand the importance of Easter. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 20. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Here's what we see. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us, he has identified us as his own, by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. On Easter, God, through his son Jesus Christ, conquers death. But what does that mean? Some of us, some of us shortchange the beauty and the power of Easter. Some of us think that Easter is just about the end of our lives. But that's not true. The true wonder and beauty of Easter is that on this holy day, not only does Christ return to life, but we are given new life. The resurrection starts now. On Easter Sunday, we can come out of the tomb 
with Jesus because our God has conquered death and fear and all of those things that held us back. The living God on Easter Sunday looks at a world that is drowning in no and God says yes. Yes. Yes, you are loved. Yes, you belong. Yes, you have purpose. Yes. Yes. Yes feels amazing, church. Yes, I'll marry you. Yes, I love you. Yes, you matter. God's tremendous triumph over death on Easter means that all of those things that we have been afraid of, all of those things that have held us back, God has conquered them. And in Christ and through Christ, God looks at us and God says, yes. My best friend in the world is a guy by the name of Bryson Smith. He's a pastor. Bryson is an amazing person. A couple years ago, uh, he and his wife were struggling with something. See, they have this, this wonderful son named Jack Jackson. But they'd hoped to have more kids. And they weren't able to. She was diagnosed with kind of a catch-all diagnosis, secondary infertility They did all the things that a family can do. One day, they were having a conversation about this when Jackson, who at the time was 10, so it had been 10 years since he was born, Jackson came in and said, Mom and Dad, what's wrong? And they explained it to him. They said, well, we love you so much, but we'd always planned on having more children. And so Jackson said, I'm so sorry that you're sad, and I want you to know I'm going to pray for you. That was in December. In January, my buddy Bryson calls me and says, hey man, we're on our way to the doctor's office. We think Lori might be pregnant. Being the dutiful friend that I am, my response, of course, to this was, Nah, man, come on. You guys have been down this road before. It's hurt. Maybe it's time to let it go. I'm not proud of that moment. I was definitely living in a world of no. But when they went to the doctor, (laughs) they texted me the next day. One word, five little letters. Twins. A couple of things that we learned from this. First, anytime I have a problem, I call my buddy Jackson and ask him to pray for me too. But here's what I'm categorically not saying. I'm not saying that because of Easter that God's going to give every human being a baby. God is not the divine Oprah. You get a baby and you get a baby and you get a baby. That's not what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. The man who was dead lives again. 
means anything is possible. And so on this Easter Sunday, I want to issue forth a challenge to all of us to give up the cynicism, the hard, well-earned skepticism, to put away the negativity in favor of believing the promise of the Bible, what the scriptures say about our God, that our God is exceedingly, abundantly. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or even imagine. The dead man lives again. And therefore, we are an Easter people emerging from the tomb with Jesus Christ. All of those things we've ever been afraid of, all of those things that held us back, they have been conquered and we are free. Free to truly live from this moment into eternity. On Easter, God looks at a world drowning in no, and God says, yes. Yes, in me, through me. Anything is possible. And all of this is because He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for bringing Christ back from the dead. We give you thanks for the world of new and complete opportunity. And we ask, O oh God, in this moment, on this holiest of all days, that you will set us free. For those of us who have been living our entire lives in a tomb, set us free as we claim you this day as our Savior. Claim your freedom because you are our Lord. But God, even for those of us, those of us who have, for the most part, been living in the light of your love, there are still some places in our lives, still some places of bondage and captivity, places where we still find ourselves in the tomb. Break us out, oh God. Set us free with the absolute and complete assurance that we are an Easter people, a people of yes, a people who belong to a God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or even imagine. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you for his resurrection for the gift of love bestowed on us because he is risen indeed. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.